here we are once again. Another installment of the Us Catching Kings Soccer Podcast Show. <laughs> How are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, it was it was a lot of soccer, man. It was a lot of soccer. Really? As know. per usual? Uh, yeah, yeah. I played, I did coaching, I watched multiple soccer games on replay, actually. I have... I have I played as well. I mean, we did most of the same stuff, but right. <laughs> I think I'm still drying out from uh, what was it Sunday? What it happened was, on Sunday? It was raining, like a torrential downpour. It was day. like a <laughs> tropical rain yeah. while we were playing. Yeah, we didn't play together, but we played at the same time. Basically. Yeah, it was raining <laughs> hard. I mean, it, it, remi- it reminded me of those days when I used to play in the rain in Sweden. We never canceled the games or practices and, you know, it could pour down rain and we still were there and kicking it. And there is something with playing in the rain, right? I mean, for me at least, is it's kind of bringing out more energy. I feel like Rocky. I feel like <laughs> I got this motivational, like, just push through or do more or fight more you know what i mean just run the extra mile just give it all and and when it rains it gives me somehow more power and energy to just fight through everything you know make more runs and get that you know spirit up really really high i'm not sure how it is for you <laughs> well I, I don't know I've, i say this often but uh I I tend to enjoy playing in the rain. At least Mm -hmm. if it's not raining too hard. Then it's not really very fun. But uh, I like a bit of rain just because I think it makes it feel more dramatic. It makes it more intense or so. I don't know exactly why. It just feels like a battle out there. And the game I played, it's definitely a battle, really. But it's hard fought, physical, and the rain just adds to that. But also, I would rather play in the rain, cloudy sort of weather than the scorching sun which it has been so i think we have more energy because of that i mean it's you can totally see it's a new season yeah i mean with the new soccer season is also weather wise a new season yeah that's definitely i believe colder it's more rain now it's more gray much prefer it that way definitely right personally um I mean, so I feel like this weekend, right, there were so many World Cup qualification games. So somehow you are now looking at teams from all over the world, basically. You have CONCACAF, you have U- Europe, you have Asia. You're kind of like trimming down the teams that are going to make it to the World Cup. But now we have the chance to look at how the soccer is all over the world. I mean, you know... B- how often do you really look at Australian soccer or football? Not much, but now yeah. they play against Syria, which is a very important game. So now you have both of these teams kind of a little bit more in your awareness. Yeah. And something funny I saw this weekend, man. It was in this uh, UK TV show. Mm-hmm. It's the Pizzagate. 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 Can't say I've heard of it. You haven't heard of it? No. Nah. I mean, the Pizzagate kind of... So many gates. So many, no. yeah. <laughs> it's not the Watergate. Yeah, Watergate, it's a, right? It's the Pizzagate scandal. Deflate gate. It's the Pizzagate scandal, Terry. And what it is, it, and apparently someone threw a pizza on Sir Alex Ferguson after Manchester United won against Arsenal after their 49 unbeaten games. Mm. Someone from the Arsenal 
staff or team through a pizza so this was this was back like what 13 years right yes 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 and until today no one has really come forward who is the one that threw this pizza so sorry so Man United defeated Arsenal, yes. ending their. I know that game. I know that yes. the. I mean, who played in that game? I mean, you had this was when Arsenal was still essentially almost at their peak, peak. or so, with Henri and Perez and uh, Martin Keown. Whereas on United, you had the likes of uh, Ruud Van Nistelrooy yep. and Rooney, of course, and and Rio Ferdinand, the like right. Roy Keane. So uh, you kind of have the picture of the era we're talking about, right? Right, and United. So uh, sorry, United um, and Arsenal, as you said, forty nine games unbeaten, just finished the the invincible season, and so okay, I know, so I know about yes. this, but then after this loss, after United defeated Arsenal, someone threw pizza <laughs> at <laughs> Alex Ferguson. Yes, yes, what a legend! I mean, a slice. Hit him on the face, dude. Some, something sounded like something like this. <laughs> Could it be a pepperoni? What do you think it was? Vegetarian pizza? Mm, I don't know. It could be anything. I mean, it could be. Either way, it was a waste. Until today, it has been unknown who threw this pizza. I mean, there are some rumors. I even even um, Sir Alex Ferguson wrote this in his book. So, 13 years later, I mean, how do they know who did it? I mean, there was this TV show in UK a couple of days ago, and um, they went really to the bottom of this with this player. Threw a pizza at Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, to this day, no one has said for certain who it was. The culprit's identity is still a mystery. However, key witness Martin Keown, when questioned, revealed this. He said, from what I understand, it was a Spanish fellow with great technique. Even when it came to pizza, he had great technique. <laughs> he threw it like a frisbee. And then the victim of the incident, Sir Alex Ferguson, in his witness statement said this. They say it was Fabregas who threw the pizza at me, but to this day, I have no idea who the culprit is. So, Sesk, tonight, can we finally put the case of the flying pizza to bed once and for all? Were you the culprit who threw the pizza? You know, that brings a whole new meaning. I knew it was called that day, that day, that match was called Battle of the Buffet. Yeah. I didn't exactly know why, but now I know why. <laughs> it was Fabregas, man, with his Spanish technique. He threw that like a frisbee right <laughs> on Sir Alex Ferguson. What a legend, a captain of Arsenal. Future captain. Oh, yeah. This see, right. At that point, I guess he was still just a smarmy Oof. teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and then today he's a Chelsea player. Yeah. Well, you see... A soccer player's career can take so many twists and turns, so many different events. You think he will be the captain for the future, now he's in the rival London club. You thought he would make assists, he threw a pizza. 
slice on Sir Alex Ferguson's face. Welcome to the Oscotch and, and King. King. Let's <laughs> we'll try that again. So, welcome to Oscotch and King. Soccer podcast show. There you Well, talking about Fabregas, Chesk is from Spain. He's from Barcelona. He's uh, from Catalonia. Yes. And when he got the chance to move back to Barcelona, um, he did it basically without really hesitating. You know, like coming home, coming back to his own, you know, home city. And um, when Fabregas left for Barcelona, you know, I, of course, as an Arsenal fan, we were disappointed, you know? We were disappointed that our captain left for another top club in Europe. Yeah, but you you saw it coming because he is Barcelona, Catalan, through and through. He bleeds that area of Spain, the nation that they consider themselves. And uh, you, you didn't mind so much because he at least left for a different club, uh, a different league. And he was very open with it too, right? He was very like welcoming to move home welcoming to go back to Barcelona so as um, Arsenal supporter even though we were disappointed we also showed him the respect a little bit that's how I yeah, felt that you, I think show, so. you know it was a little bit easier because you know we all knew it coming like I said right I knew it was coming so it was understanding when he left for Barcelona and uh, to be honest I thought his time at Barcelona would be longer mm. Three, four years, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I mean... Uh, I, I think I, I agree with you. I probably expected he spent several years at Arsenal. I figured he'd... You know, he's essentially half his career, almost or so. Almost half his career. So I figured maybe the second half of his career would be at Barcelona. Right. Uh, he would be the new Xavi Iniesta spent right. like, almost his entire career at Barcelona. But... It didn't happen. He eventually um, didn't get that much playing time. He wanted to have a bigger role in a team. And rumor says that Arsenal could buy him. They had a buy, you know, buy back. They, they could buy him back, but they didn't do that. And he went to Chelsea. Yeah, but 
for someone that was Barcelona through and through growing up, before he came to Arsenal, he was in the he's part of La Masia, and someone that didn't get the playing time, didn't get quite the I suppose the respect I believe that he felt he deserved. How do you think Fabregas felt watching the? It was a couple weeks ago now. Uh, the Camp Nou, Barcelona play Las Palmas at Camp Nou, completely empty with all the riots going on outside the stadium and the the turmoil that's going on between Catalonia and the rest of Spain. How do you think he felt watching that on TV? Do you think he felt disappointment or did he feel sad or the fact that maybe Barcelona were playing in front of this empty stadium and the fact that they're under scrutiny, maybe he felt resentment towards the club, so he's like, you know, I don't care. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he I don't think he has the resentment. I think he was distracted, definitely distracted about what's going on, what's going on at home. And uh, I think he's, you know, that's what they say, you know what I mean? You you never take the guy from his home city, you know what I mean? He I think he's supporting the cause mm. in favor of the Catalans. Exactly. I think because why I'm saying that, you know, it's um, when you hear some of these Barcelona players that are from Barcelona, they have very strong opinion yeah. about their love for the city and for Catalonia. I mean, Pique, I think, is almost, he talks a little too much. He's a bit too outspoken, in my opinion. He's but he's very outspoken. He's casing exactly what you're saying. He's very, yeah, outspoken, very opinionated about. Have you heard this interview when he speaks about if this might cause some issues in the national team, then he's happy to yeah. leave. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, let's hear that interview. I think I can stay with the national team because there are a lot of people in Spain that are completely against what has happened in Catalonia. I can also say that if a coach or any official of the Spanish Federation thinks I am disruptive, I don't have a problem to step down and leave Spain's national team before 2018. If you watch this, you see that he is in tears. Mm. You know, he's very emotional and he is very passionate about to give the Catalans at least the right to vote. Mm. And, you know, in working democracy or in this modern society, democracy is what keeps this society working. That means everyone has a right to voice their opinion and make a change for a vote. So if you don't have that basic right, you know... Well, it goes against democracy. Exactly. I've heard that this situation, and I'm not a complete expert, but I've heard that the situation that's going on harkens back to times when Spain wasn't really so much of a democracy. Once they were under the dictatorship that Mm -hmm. was uh, General Franco and... Uh, which was very troubling times for much of the country for decades. And we don't want to really see Spain go back to those ways or shine or show signs of, um, of those ways anymore. So PK, it's understandable for him to want, you know, the, the 
Catalans to have the right to, to voice their opinions and to, to spread their culture, you know? I mean, you say spread their culture. They have their own language, don't they? They do. They do. And it's not only Catal- Catalonia that has wants to be independent. It's also the... It's a, uh, multiple like Basque countries. Basque countries, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to Fabregas, with his ties and his family to Barcelona and Catalonia, I think he was very distracted. I'm sure. I think yeah. he's very up to date. And even when the national team went out on practice, after this interview, could hear the fans booing yeah. at him. Yeah. And, you know, that is also a distraction for the Spanish team. I mean, you can hear in the background how the fans are booing right now uh, while Piquet is coming out on the field. But you were mentioning about the game at Camp Nou was played without any fans. And we're talking about like 90,000 people not being at at a game. (laughs) Right. You know, that's very unusual. Why did they do that? Well, there were talks of um, very vocal Catalan supporters, you know, pro-Catalonia supporters. Um, There were talks that that these supporters were going to, at some point during the game, storm the field in some sort of protest. And there have been threats being a bunch of protests, Mm -hmm. mostly peaceful ones. Um, but Barcelona, the club, didn't want to have fans coming onto the field in the middle of the game. Right. Who knows exactly what they're going to do. Even if it was peaceful, we can never ensure the player's safety and whatnot. So that's why they hmm. they chose to play the game behind closed doors. Um, For safety reasons. Exactly, exactly. And they got a lot of stick from it, the club itself. FC Barcelona itself got a lot of stick. They thought that um, a lot of the... the hmm. s- Catalan support thought that either let us do our protest mm-hmm. or don't play the game at all. I mean, what's three points? If the, if Barcelona didn't play the game, that was a forfeit, right? Right. So that goes three points for them and three points to Las Palmas. They won't such, do but. that. They don't. They won't do that. I mean, right. even with playing empty seats, it got the echo it needed. Like it could yeah, be a guy that comes on I the agree, field yeah. with a T-shirt saying something, right? A message about this election. Or you even have an empty seat and now everybody speaks about it and writes about it like us. Yeah. And uh, have you seen that video? Have you seen Have you seen when they play actually on Camp Nou? I watched the game, yeah. Did, did you? Mm. What did strike you most? I mean, it's weird to see Camp Nou empty. Yeah. I think just how quiet it was. Normally you hear like the buzz of the crowd constantly or chanting whatnot. Um, Almost like a friendly game without any, you know... Yeah, or like a practice. That's what practice. it was. Like a scrimmage almost. Um, but, so yeah, I'd say the general quietness was what struck me the most. Um, from when I was... Wa- I was just watching on TV, of course. So, like, microphones picked some things up, but um, a lot of it is from far away or from mm-hmm. all over. And even the commentators were saying how... The players were <laughs> would hear everything, and even us listening, you could hear a lot of what they were saying, or at least make out that they were yelling at each other if you couldn't if you couldn't hear word for word. And so I, that's true. It's true. It's kind of strange. That is so exciting, though. I mean, come <laughs> on, like you know when when we play soccer, we at least I, I mean, I talk all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I give 
directions i give advice i push yes. i i curse yes you do you know <laughs> I, I scream sometimes uh a lot of all hand gestures all, well aware you know <laughs> exactly sometimes i scream and carry what the beep are you doing you know so um so a game with barcelona where you can actually hear what the players are saying that is rare like you don't get that opportunity often that you actually can hear what the players are saying i mean it's kind of like nfl or nhl or nba sometimes when they have mic'd up mm. what is mic'd up tell tell <laughs> they sometimes have uh and i see an mls i see an mls they do an mls too mostly with you mostly see it with like coaches. I don't okay. know. If, I can't remember if I often see it with players or not. But once they mic up, they put a microphone on the coaches, or maybe a player that's on the side, um, or sometimes in the game, I suppose. Right. And uh, you just hear everything that they say, so that you can you get some sort of insight onto what sort of stuff the players say or the coaches say in the middle of games and whatnot. Exactly. Like uh, sometimes in NBA, you can see where there are timeouts. You can see, you can hear what the coach is saying just yeah, for like yeah. 10, 15 seconds right. or whatever. But that kind of brings us into that event or that game or that moment way closer, you know? But there is nothing like that in uh, in football, in, in soccer, basically. And uh, now we have the opportunity, Kerry. Finally, we had the opportunity to have mic'd up in <laughs> Barcelona's game against Las Palmas. What can we do with this opportunity? Well, I hear word for word what each player is saying to each other. I mean, they are Spanish, though. Yeah. They are Spanish, though. So uh, can we somehow, for our listeners, act and translate what they are saying? <laughs> sure. What What would you have in mind? <laughs> I mean, um, why don't you be Piquet and translate what Piquet <laughs> says and I be Suarez and I translate what Suarez says during the game. Alright. Alright? <laughs> okay. Alright, let's try. Let's try. But it's not so bad instead of a penalty, no? Oh, oh! Are you kidding me? I headed, I headed it downwards. I headed it downwards, damn it! And it touched his head! Oh, and what about that one? Ah, oh, ah. Oh. <laughs> He pushed me. Luis, please. No, no, I didn't that touch one pushed you. me. Luis, look at me. No, you can't do that, dude. I felt because I was pushed. Well, don't ask for it. Did I ask for anything? What did I ask for? Come on, get on with it. You're all like that. 
Luis behind. Impel, Luis. Ah, fucking hell, Luis. One thing, Oz, that we haven't gotten the chance to talk about that happened uh, relatively recently. What is what? it? Manchester City and Chelsea. What, a week ago? Just played a big game. Big game of the Premier League season. 1-0 to Manchester City. Correct. That was without star talisman Kunaguera. Sergio. Sergio Kunaguera. Mm. Mm. That's Be right. Because it made quite a lot of headlines. Uh, Aguero was injured after suffering a car crash in Amsterdam, uh, leaving him unavailable for the game. So, I mean, he was in Amsterdam. This was this was a few days before the game. Right. Uh, he was in Amsterdam to see a concert, and just on the way after the concert, on the way back from the concert, he and his friend that were hailed a taxi, and the taxi got into a car crash and uh, left Aguero pretty, really badly injured. Yes, he had a broken rib after that accident, and, uh, you know, we happy that he's not worse. Nah, yeah, he'll be you fine. Know, he'll be fine. He can't play with Argentina, and they are in a very crucial... As, as of recording, they could use him right now. Big time, man. Big time. And uh, what's funny to me is that yes we don't really have the insight of what the dialogue is between Pep Guardiola or Sergio Aguero right but we trust what Pep Guardiola says to the media um, but the fun part is all the TV pundits that kinda sets up the rules well what's Guardiola say first Guardiola basically says that he wants his players happy, and mm. it was a day off. He wants them to, yeah, live their lives. Live their life. They have, they're not boys, they are men. And he also mentions that um, they have so many other rules, so he cannot really, you know, he, don't, he doesn't want to control them that much, mm. you know. And uh, Guardiola has been a player himself. They, he knows already how much time these players are putting into their craft. And for listening to some pundits talking about why Aguero's action to decide to go to Amsterdam is wrong sounds to me a little bit... Uh, kidding me, guys? You know what I mean? This, you know, he, he cannot travel to Amsterdam and come back. He cannot enjoy a little bit free time and listen to some music or hang out with friends in a different city than Manchester, even if it's before, <laughs> even it's before a two days before a big important game. You're telling me, really, right? You're telling me that him going to Amsterdam and then coming back with a private jet will make him so tired when these players have been traveling the entire lives well that is uh, to be fair that is a a topic that has come up frequently mm -hmm. particularly around like international breaks when right. you have players like Aguero yeah traveling all the way to South America all the way and then back and whatnot and how they right. it tires them out or whatnot but it does I suppose so but uh, our flight 
mm. to Amsterdam is not that tiring. Mm, true. And I guess he's doing it to relax as well. He's he's going to see a concert. Just He's not going to play a game or to do a bunch of training sessions or anything. Exactly. And he wasn't doing anything, at least that we know of, he wasn't doing anything you know, harmful to his body. He wasn't doing anything illegal. He just went to, from what I can tell, just to enjoy some music. Exactly. Enjoy a concert. Exactly. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking about, like, a little bit about Beckham's lifestyle, you know, when he was when he was so massively under criticism or even paparazzi following everywhere and uh, or even players like Cristiano Ronaldo or Paul Pogba, you know, have that big of attention on them. I, you know, they travel too. And this, you know, are you going to set and decide what players can do and cannot do on their free time. Some coaches do do that, to be honest. Some like that rigid, mm-hmm. uh, you do this, do this at this mm-hmm. time, you know, regulating their players' lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And some players don't like that. Some of them, you know, they accept it. They say, this if I want to be a part of this club, I have to deal with this, whatnot. Um, but think- other coaches, you know, Give them their time off. Guardiola's like Guardiola says he he doesn't want to completely control their lives. They have their own personal lives. So I think it depends on the coach, but and it depends on the player, the personality. So what coach would do that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you think uh, Conte is like that? Hmm. Possibly, possibly, possibly Mourinho. Maybe I don't. Know. I can honestly can tell tell you. How they act on the when it comes to the field during mm-hmm. games and during practices could be different with how they act off of it. And I mean, on the field, I feel like Conte, Mourinho are very um, intense, very strict, right. very. That's the impression that I get, right. which is fine to make them them the, their players perform at their best all times on the field, both practices and and games. But then off the field, heck, maybe Conte is like, you know, all right, practice is done. Do whatever the hell you want. So. Well, I mean, Adebayor is praising Jose Mourinho, saying he's one of the best coaches that he's been with. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, let's hear. And of all the managers you had, who was one you, you felt you, you was, was your favorite? One of the managers that I spent the less time with. But the relationship in between us is crazy. It's Jose Mourinho. And he's... Real Madrid. In Real Madrid, yeah. He's, he's, he's special. Because the, the special, special one. one. But I think he's really special. Because he's one of the only managers I knew in my career that would come into the dressing room first and see how we dress. And, or he'd be in front of the dressing room. As soon as he came out from the car, you'd be like, he'd, he'd already start laughing at you because of how you dress and he will take your shoe, hang it on the board or something. You go on the pitch, you miss one ball, he will kill you. For me, that's knowing good time, knowing um, knowing the time to play and knowing the time to, to work. And he, have, he, has that, he has that balance. You, you hear Adebayo describing that Jose Mourinho could be friendly with you, he could be nice with you, outside the pitch but when it comes to the game he was very disciplined and hard but i feel like Mourinho has that feeling on touch of like give the players the freedom outside i mean i'm we're not f- talking about 
being out and partying to 2, 3, 4 a.m. or being in Las Vegas and smoking a cigar or something or you really getting in scandals with prostitution or something like that or, or you you find in a casino in yeah. Monte Carlo and playing all your money yeah. or you are doing <laughs> drugs or you are just right, beating right. someone or you just found pictures on your drunk in the street this is like just that was a, a lot guy, of examples you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but it's just uh it's just a night out evening out to celebrate life and celebrate that you have that free time for once at least for once you have that opportunity to go and enjoy and then to have these people criticizing him for making that decision I'm just laughing about it to be honest with you like who are you to tell Cedric Guerrero to just sit inside on his couch and <laughs> rest when that is the only thing these players basically are doing already. You know what I mean? I think this is something that comes down to the players. That comes down to player preferences, comes down to coaching preferences, pundit preferences. Some pundits are like this. Some aren't. Uh, what would your preference be if you me, were a professional player? Me? I'm with you. I'd say, say if I have the free time, I do all my work on the field afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as I'm not doing something that will... Uh, put my performances in the game at risk. Right. Especially because it was... I think part of the reason why this is so such a big talk was because it was before such a big game, but... Unlucky then. Yeah, really. I think it really just came down to unlucky, to bad luck. It could have right. happened anywhere. It could have happened in Manchester. It could have happened in London or... Exactly. Anywhere. And it could be worse. It could be worse, yeah. So we're happy that it wasn't worse... And we send all of the positive vibes to Kunagiro to be back as soon as possible. I mean, if, if you look at, well, I'm not di- being disrespectful to the to the car maker, but that doesn't look as though a very robust uh, vehicle. If I'm Aguero and I am going going um, abroad to go and watch a, a concert, I think I need to get myself a, a driver that's assured that is is going to be you know a limousine that I can trust this guy. So he's not an idiot. Of the, well, of the street. That's, that's another discussion. Got, that's another discussion whether you need I, I to know call it's a an better accident, Uber or whatever. But you've got to look after yourself. Though. But you've got to look after yourself, though, Shaq. Um, you, you owe it to your football club. And the, uh, look, you really I, do. I, at the same time, you know, we, we're speculating here on what was available to him. You, you, you go to Amsterdam to watch a concert, you get a taxi to go back to the airport. I don't think there's anything sinister or should be interpreted as anything sinister about that. I was super energetic when I was a kid. Me and DR, we, was, we were very energetic kids you know we were so much soccer so many different sports um every time my teachers wrote like a you know like a summary or evaluating me yeah. on my on my school performances mm-hmm. um maybe they looked at each other's but all of them basically said that has a hard time to stay at his desk has a hard time to I can see that. You know, that he always likes to be on the move or, you know. So, a uh, very upbeat and energetic kid, you know what I mean? As you grow up, as you grow up, I imagine that it gets a little bit lower and lower, you know. You cannot always be like children running around and climbing or doing this and that, right? I mean, we are 
or I am still very active, playing a lot, training a lot, going to the gym, coaching, working. We're doing the full, we do the podcast on full yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I look into the future, like far distance future, you know, what I mean, like maybe you know, like let's say forty years from now, and I will be sixty-eight. Mm. Right, mm. Uh, and uh, you know, at that age, I wonder if my life would be more hectic than it was, or you know, around my twenties, thirties, forties. I somehow I feel like at that age, it's not gonna be as hectic as as the life has been, you know, throughout the twenties and whatever the short distance future has in front of us well how often do you see 60 70 year olds uh going out every multiple times a week drinking a lot and and playing a bunch of soccer or partying or whatever no, i don't exactly it would probably be calm down yeah i mean my my father-in-law for instance they have you know they basically are around the house, they watching TV, they cooking meals, and uh, basically have uh, the very calm life. And if you, if you look at my dad, it's the same. He goes to work, and then he comes back home, and basically sits in front of TV, and uh, re- relaxes. It's not that much of, this is what's gonna need to happen, this is next, this is next, and full hectic plan do you if it was like that you think that's healthy uh i don't know but i'm wondering what has you thinking about 40 years in the future what made me think about this is age of the new coach for bayern munich (laughs) Mm. i mean he is 71 years old yes sir who is he yup Yup, Yup Hankis. I mean, he's, I find it such a funny signing. I mean, he, he has been a coach at Bayern Munich before. Yeah, yeah. He, this is like I forget third or fourth stint at Bayern Munich, so he knows the club well. And at the age of seventy-one, he's gonna be throwing out cones, giving giving directions and rules and orders to all the superstar players. I mean, he's a hectic schedule. The top teams have. Yeah, that's true. Is this the guy you think you're wondering if is it healthy for? for I'm concerned, <laughs> man. I'm concerned for this guy's sake. To be honest with you, well, is this guy the right appointment for Bayern Munich, Harry? I've been wondering. I've been trying to figure this out. Uh, in ways, I think yes, because he, you know, Carlo Ancelotti. I was very surprised he didn't get it done. He wasn't very favorable around the club. I'm very surprised to hear, but he lost the locker room. He lost say, the right? lo- absolutely. He lost the locker room. Lewandowski, Thomas Muller, none of them were really happy with him. Robin, Yapankis mm. um, is someone that knows all those players. So Yapankis is one, someone that's been successful with those players. Uh, so Byron bringing in someone that knows the club, that knows the players, that has respect from the players. In that sense, I think it is a good signing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a funny signing because. They just had him, um, what, four years ago, I think, once they won the Champions League, 2013. Right. Then he retired. Uh, 
you know, in favor of this Pep That's Guardiola right. Pep Guardiola project. That's right. And so I just find it funny. Pep's, Pep's now come and gone. Yeah. And I just find it funny that they're bringing Heinkes back again. And they haven't really been successful after him in Not, Champions League, no, really. which is what they really want too. Yeah. So, so I find it especially funny if Heinkes ends up winning the Champions League with Bayern. <laughs> you know? But it just seems like a rather strange call to me. A little bit of a strange call to bring him back. I he is old. He was. They brought him out of retirement. You know. So I see. I see your point. You know. Do I think that he's going to struggle with things like? All the traveling, all, as we say, apparently the players struggle, and the players are twenties, thirties. Right. So, will a seventy-one-year-old struggle with with travel, with keeping up with the players? Maybe I don't know if he how good he is with the ball they, at his feet now. Like I don't know if he <laughs> when they're doing training sessions, he if can. he does examples, you know. <laughs> at least they have cards at the airport that you can sit on oh, yeah. through the gates, <laughs> you know. Um, now, nah, not to be too mean, um, I'm also a little bit surprised that they hired him. I understand that's uh, like a last-minute uh, solution or whatever. Yeah. And if you look at the options, there are not that many. I, I, I cannot really come up with any good option with a decent experience and name well, and, and honors that has won titles or something right out there in Europe available right now. No, I mean... The names that they were, that I've heard floating around, mm-hmm. were Thomas Tuchel, mm-hmm. just left Dortmund, and uh, Julian Nagelsmann, his right? Twenty nine year old, thirty year old coach at Crazy. Hoffenheim. But he's doing a great job at Hoffenheim. He is. he is. He's doing a very good job. But is he the sort of person that will? We talked about respect. Is he the sort of person that will get the respect of Aaron Robin, who's older than him? Yeah. <laughs> right, Frank Ribéry. Rob Ribéry, yeah. Uh, You're right, Lewandowski. Even so, I mean, you saw what happened with uh, Chelsea when they appointed Vias Boas. Uh true. I mean, yeah. at that time, John Terry was older than him, or they yeah. the same age or something. I'm sad that Carlo has left. Me too. I thought he was a good coach. I, I <laughs> he still is around, <laughs> but I still think he's a very good coach. Right. I'd love to see him. I I remember if I've told you this, but I'd love to see him at Arsenal. Maybe you disagree. I don't know, but. Uh, no, nah, I mean, Carlo Ancelotti, Allegri, uh, Diego Simeone, Laurent Blanc, you name it. I would everyone instead of well, yeah. uh, Wenger right yeah. now. But you mentioned the fact that there's a lack of names, right? I mentioned Tuchel and Nagelsmann, but yeah. there's a lack of names like Ancelotti with that sort right. of stature. Ancelotti, Mourinho, Guardiola, all the like. I think that there's such a limited... Pool of those coaches, yeah. That I think clubs are going to be forced to. They're going to have to look elsewhere, think outside the box a bit more. Okay, let's think outside the box on Ask Cotton King Socket Podcast Show. If you think outside the box, who are we looking at, and what are the parameters behind that? Who are we? Are we looking at a ex soccer player that? also just recently got into the game and is relatively young who do we have i mean i just think about uh, um leipzig okay this coach ralph hassan hudel hassan hudel uh-huh hassan hudel yeah pretty much something like that 
uh, he's been having a really good career with Leipzig and um, with a very short period of time has taken them from uh, the second division in Bundesliga to the first and also been very successful in the first division and now in the Champions League and uh, he has he has a you know he has that like top top level soccer career but he has managed in a short a couple of years take Leipzig to a very high level that's a good option in coaches I don't think he will leave but what are we looking at I mean there gotta be a big pull of coaches now Mm. if we just can mention six I think someone oh I don't know if I can mention six but I think someone of Bayern Munich's stature, or someone a club like Bayern Munich, would want a coach like Ancelotti or Heikes, even someone that has been there, done that, done it all, won it all, um, like the same sort of ilk of Mourinho or something mm-hmm. like that. I think since I mentioned Arsenal, I think a club like Arsenal right. needs someone new, completely to freshen it up. Doesn't have they don't have to have been the most successful person. They could use someone like like uh, Ralph, like Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> they could use they could use someone. I think like Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um. They could use someone like Ralph Hasenhuttle or, you know, there have been talks of Eddie Howe. Someone new, someone energetic, someone young, just to breathe some life into mm. Arsenal. But I think Bayern Munich would want someone more like, like, who would they want? Uh, I know Jurgen Klopp was a, just, this just hit me, but Jurgen Klopp was a uh, candidate, I think in the past, maybe not recently, right. but in the past he was a, he was someone that they were looking at. But some, I think they would want someone like, I say Ancelotti, even though he just got fired. Ancelotti or Mourinho or something like that. That's one Champions League. That's one multiple league titles. Okay. That instantly has the respect of the players. Hmm. Someone like Rafa Benitez as well. Like it's just getting a job at Newcastle. Yeah. Right. Um. Is are we seeing a like an inflation? Oh, coaches, or do we see like uh, the dip of uh, coaches or demand of the coaches in top football? Are there not that many great coaches and just few left? Basically, it feels like it. Yeah. Um, the the really experienced ones are basically out of the game. You know, I'm thinking about. Um, like Trapattoni or Capello, uh, yeah. Ferguson. He's retired a while That's ago. That's right. Wenger should be following suit. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, sometime. Yeah. And you see the fire on Harry Redknapp. Um, I know Steve Bruce is kind of uh, like shaky out in his position. So what's Roy Hodgson up to these days? Oh, I can't think. Oh, he just got signed by Crystal Palace. Didn't yes, he? and he's also <clears throat> and he's also seventy years old. Yeah, and take over. I. <laughs> club under crisis I mean we should give Bob Bradley a chance <laughs> Bayern Munich Bayern Munich that would be amazing but I don't know if it would end well unfortunately for his sake I don't want him to go to Bayern Munich he Maybe, tried at Swansea yeah and and there are a lot of things he wasn't perfect but there are also a lot of things that went against him there 
Uh, plus, he wasn't perfect. But at Bayern Munich, he would be given no chance. I don't think he's ready. No, no. He, but he's just gotten take. Uh, he's taking over uh, Los Angeles FC. That's very joined, exciting. So. That is exciting. That is very exciting. But I think of the. You just mentioned all those coaches that are on the, the on the decline, right? Right. The coaches that are popping up, and I think Guardiola was the first that I can mm-hmm. really think of. Are those much more younger, late thirties, forty, mid forties or so? Um, that had decent playing careers, the likes of Guardiola, Zidane. Uh, Conte, mm-hmm. right? These are the coaches that are really rising up, I think. Cut it there. Well, you, Just they, kidding. <laughs> they are already on the top. But I mean, more. I mean, more of them are I popping mean, up. Who, who There's else? Gonna, there are going to be more of the nor. I mean, well, Julian Nagelsmann, for instance. Thomas Tuchel, for instance. <laughs> I mean Tuchel took over Dortmund and yeah. then he got fired yes Nagelsmann has been in charge of Hoffenheim's youth team all the way up mm-hmm. and been actually giving time to develop these kids to turn into senior level and what does I that mean, sound like that sounds exactly like Guardiola and Zidane to me Guardiola Barcelona and Zidane right now at Madrid took starting the youth levels their so B team basically you're saying the thinking of the outside of the box for clubs to generate a very successful coach is to have the coaches within the academy give them the education give them the experience and slowly with the time grow up to become a top level a coach i think that's a big part of it i don't think they necessarily have to be from that club's academy have already been a part of that club's fabric system that club system but that certainly is a big help but even i mean eddie howe's another one too and and there were talks of him going to arsenal and i think that wouldn't be a terrible decision to be something new he's young energetic he has ambition to bring breathe life into arsenal but he has absolutely nothing to do with arsenal mm. so. so with these criterias arsenal should bring in patrick Vieira. And uh, he's another one. Part, and Bayern Munich should bring in, give Willy Sagnol the full duty of Bayern Munich after Yup. Question to solve. They could always come and ask Kerry King. True, true. You are available, not right now though. You have uh, a contract right now. I can't give up my spot at. Decatur to Cab YMCA. You yeah. can't. I mean, I mean, it would disappoint. We're really going places. It would, <laughs> it would hurt 30, 30, 30 players. Absolutely. Hearts. True. True. And I really see my future with this club. And I think someday we will win Champions League. And we have started <laughs> that exciting project that we want to follow through. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Kerry, we got to go to a coaching session soon. So we better we better wrap this episode up a little <laughs> bit, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was really thinking about the Pizzagate. I mean, how amazing is it to even just to throw a pizza slice in the air and see it hit? Foolish. Foolish? Yeah, why would you Childish? give up that pizza? Why would you give up a pizza Oof, slice? It depends what pizza it is, man. Okay, yeah, that's fair. You know, if it's a disgusting one. Yeah. You you can afford to throw it at a Manchester United player or coach. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? I've been thinking about, now that we talked about uh, 
Camp knew and how empty it was and how the players could really hear. There's no there's no excuse that players, uh, whenever there's an offside call and they keep on going and playing and kicking the ball away, they can't use that excuse that, oh, the crowd is too loud. I didn't hear the whistle blow, you know? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but they really could hear each other every word. They could really communicate with each other well. And listening to what they said yeah i i realized that they say the same pretty much pretty much the same sort of stuff that that we say that us normal players <laughs> say when, when, when we, we play talk they, to the ref exactly or when exactly. we yell at ourselves yeah oh yeah and uh, shows the importance of talking in a team too doesn't it camp nou totally empty which is very unusual for very important reasons to finally give the Catalonia, Catalans, the independence they've been seeking for decades. Uh, That's another talk. Do they, should they have their own independence? Should they not? Exactly. That's that's something. That's something you want to get into? No. (laughs) But that is something, maybe they do, they do just want to be able to express themselves. But what do everyone want? We want freedom. Are you? Oh. <laughs> I'm not wrong. We do want freedom to eat pizza. <laughs> and with this episode, we're gonna cut it off with letting you guys know that next week we have two amazing guests. It's Chad Walker and Dave LaMatina. The guys, the directed and produced we must go what is we must go Kerry? we must go a documentary documenting uh bob bradley's time as head coach of the egypt national team and how close they came to qualifying for the world cup after a long while and it gives you a sense of the football mad people that egyptians are and what getting to the World Cup means and a bit of insight of World Cup qualifying in Africa. And showing the story and the reality of the conflict that was going on in the country. Amazing documentary, We Must Go. We're going to talk to the director and producers next week, right here. Wait. Wait. Uh, World Cup qualifying, as we're recording this, World Cup qualifying is really heating up. And we're getting yes. down to the to the ending stages, the closing stages, as we wheedle out, wheedle out which teams are going to be in the World Cup. And exciting stuff. I always love World Cup qualifying. More of that to come next week on the Oz Caution King, King Soccer, Soccer Podcast, Podcast Show. Show.